Ladies, gentlemen, and all sports fans of Calgary, welcome to your morning show. Sports, life, food, and everything else. This train rarely comes off the rails. We've got big guests, the best insiders, and all the breaking news you need. Boomer in the morning starts now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. So here's, uh, here's what I'm proposing for everybody. Let's do this thing. It's a busy one. we got a lot to do here in the next little bit. But let's do this thing and then have a weekend. What do you think? Dumas, you good with that? Damn right. Ooh. G- G- weekend? GVP, you good with that? I can get on board with that. Nice. And for you, Pinder? I'm going to take like a week take and next, a half. I don't know. Take next week off. Just, yeah, I'm in. Done. Yeah. Just uh, go uh, enjoy yourself. Wherever it is that you are doing whatever it is mm. you're doing, uh, then just continue to do it. And enjoy well, thank yourself. you, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm here to give. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. I feel like I want to give her. That was a, that was a thing. I actually went to school with a guy. We just called him giver because he liked to give her. Come on, boys. That's, that's giver. Terry and Dean are giver? Yeah, kind of the same thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Giver's a good guy. Giver, I think he still lives in Calgary. Left Robin, moved to Calgary. We'd come back every once in a while. You know what we'd do when we came back? Give her. We'd give her. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we'd give her. Um, speaking of giving and taking, the, uh, there was one team given and one team taken last night in the old Western Conference Final. Did you watch? Uh, do, do you have TVs where you're at there, Ryan? Oh, we. I, I was dialed in. This was this was very good. I, I was in the air for game one of what Rangers and the East yeah. Tampa. Yeah, yeah. But last night locked. It was great. Had a little whiskey on the rocks going, and got to watch it with someone that knows a thing or two. So good chatter. <laughs> That was, uh, we had a five on three early, what, for, for Colorado. And when the Oilers killed that off, you're thinking, okay, that, that's a big moment. Remember that? Oh, never mind. Not a big moment. Don't remember that. Yeah, They're no fine. need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the final score for zip Colorado on the strength of a 24 save performance from Frankie, apparently, as they did chanting, chanting hmm. Frankie at the old ball Just- arena. Beloved, who knew? Yeah, who knew? I didn't. Uh, I, what, what are they saying? Is it Smitty? Who are they talking about? Oh, oh, Frankie, Pavel Francois. That's right. That's not heavy, Frankie. Yeah, Frankie. I didn't mind the first period for the. I I thought it was back and forth. It was a good first period because we came in. What do you mm-hmm. expect? Is going to be more fireworks? Going to be lighting up the scoreboard? No, it was pretty good. They were. It was not tight checking necessarily, but it was a battle. That was what you would expect out of a playoff series, a round three series. And then, uh, to your point, you get to the second. And then Nazem Kadri kind of took over. He was good. That line was buzzing. Yeah. Moving guys around, you have that luxury when you have that kind of skill. Oh, uh, pick up. Rantanen uh, will move you around, and then Lekkinen, you can slide in here. And uh, Kadri, probably not going to have you for much longer. But while you're here, you may as well go out there and have three assists in yeah, about we'll a... put your hands in the air, eh? In about have a two, fun. what, two-minute span? 358, 413, 602. Lekkinen, Manson, Rantanen, all from Kadri. 3 nothing. Mm. Felt like this. This is really going Colorado's way. 
But what have we said? If there's a team that can outscore some issues and come back on you, it's the Oilers. And 3 nothing. Yeah. that didn't feel insurmountable at all, even no. though it really felt like, like Colorado had put their foot on the gas and was taking over. But you get some power plays, you mix some things in, momentum can go both ways. At, at what point did you think uh, Oilers, Oilers might be cooked here? That was the thing that was like, oh, okay. So you are going to be able to defend that, uh, you know, the, the top weapons of the Oilers. We, and that, that's something that we were waiting to see in the Calgary series, but really never did. But they, they smothered the, uh, you know, the dry settle McDavid yeah. canes of the world in the third. And so when you're halfway through and they've hard, they've maybe generated one scoring chance, you're like, yeah, okay, they're probably good here now. Uh, but then another power play well if they get one here i don't know it's just it's tough to write those guys out because we all watched what the last 10 minutes of game five against la a really tight defensive group where mcdavid just went video game mode and really hasn't been the same since (laughs) single-handedly tying it up and then they lose in overtime that game but you could just see there's uh he can't be denied contain him and last night's about as good a job as you'll see McDavid, uh, 22 minutes, 43 seconds, two shots on net, no points, a minus one, dry sidle. Two shots. Uh, three shots, 19.30, just about four minutes of that 19 and a half coming on the power play. And, yeah, it was it was an impressive night for Colorado. After that first period, it was obviously up for grabs. It's scoreless. Both teams are showing uh, far, far more guts than in that first in that first game it was just kind of pond hockey road hockey beer league in that game one to a certain extent this was now turning into big boy hockey and uh and then yeah they not only did they get to mike smith they managed to keep keep them off the scoreboard entirely after game one who okay so game one what was the score nine six whatever it was at 14 here's yeah yeah, so here's the uh here's the, the thing in game two Kemper's not going to play. Mike Smith's going to start. One of them's pitching a shutout. What would that have paid <laughs> on your online betting app, right? Well, and it, it wouldn't have been a bad bet because Smith's numbers are really tidy in game two. And as I said yesterday, there's some goalie people that really like Francois, but for whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to be a full-time number one. I mean, you could see the pathway in a sense, but you also just watch both these teams score at will in game one, right? I'm just because uh, I grabbed Sportsnet, put the uh, the math together for you. In this series, Mike Smith has faced 65 shots. That gives you a goals against of 6.95 and a save oh. percentage of 864. So, and it, I'm not saying it's a Mike Smith problem, but it when fine. but when you're get when, when that's the goaltending it, you're not going to have anyone steal anything for you or certainly be able to you're not you're going to have a hard time hanging in when it's sub 9 and nearly 7 goals against I'm trying to think of all the goals against the the, the tipped goal you can't do anything with the point shot I'm not sure he probably would want it but I didn't I don't know how much traffic there was there and then the one where he's lost his glove, you feel for him. He should make that save, but he's he's trying to put his glove back on. Yeah, yeah. That man, the Manson slapper, and the thing about it is, it comes a minute moments, l- yeah. l- like not a not a minute, 
17 seconds, something, something like that later. And it's low, it's low. It's a partial screen, but you feel like it is far enough away. But I, I didn't think he was out of position. It's off the post and in. So he just kind of yeah. misses it. Like you say, with the McKinnon one without a glove, what it hits him, the post and then goes in or post him and then in. So no, it was not a Mike Smith, a Mike Smith problem, even though that, I mean, that barn had, it was swinging when they got those, those three goals in 202 or whatever it was. Yeah. Old, uh, old Jay, your buddy, Jay Woodcroft there calls the timeout in, in the midst of that. And, uh, it, it, it didn't matter. Credit to Colorado for shutting down the Oilers. And I didn't, I didn't think, and I, look, we all know what McDavid is. He's the best player in the world. He's been just okay to not, obviously not himself through two games. But on the other side, McKinnon has been really good. He's flying around again last night, 20 minutes, just north of 20, 20-39, scored the goal, 11 shots on net. It has, for the most part, been the that, that dream matchup one-on-one that you kind of hoped for. It's two forwards. It's not really a head-to-head battle in that sense. But uh, advantage McKinnon heading back to Edmonton for three and four. And I look forward to seeing what McDavid's going to have in store up in uh, in Edmonton. Yep. And what Woodcroft does matchup wise, because he's sort of been at the mercy of what Bednar wants here. Games one and two. Uh, There was some talk post game on the U.S. broadcast that maybe they go back to seven and 11 rather than six D 12 forwards. They did that in the L.A. series. It was a rough night for Nurse and some other defenders. Duncan Keith, there's some guys that um, w- they were not uh, earning their wage, so to speak, uh, defensively. And if you give an extra defenseman in there, we saw with Michael Stone what that can do. We don't know who's playing through what, but we did hear at the beginning of round two that Nurse is dinged up. If there's a change to make, it might be shortening the forward group and adding to the blue line. And they were talking about on the broadcast, when when will Woodcroft make some adjustments here and start moving moving guys around? And it's a luxury you have as a coach when you can put those two donkeys together, Leon and uh, mm-hmm. and McDavid. You're almost guaranteed some offense. You're going to get something, and it it just didn't work. So credit to uh, to Colorado. Shots on goal, forty to twenty four, in favor of Colorado. And I know Not coming close. out of I know coming out of game one, the the Mark Specters and Ryan Rashogs of the world kind of said this you look at the score and yeah they rallied to come back and make this a close game but this was a lot of Colorado that the Oilers would have a hard time keeping up with anybody in terms of game speed is kind of a shocker but we've kind of seen that haven't we they Avalanche have poured it on in terms of that high-end speed game oh dear you're you're clicking and clacking 2022, we can uh, we can send a member of NSYNC to the moon, but we can't have Pinder mm-hmm. in California. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sad? It is sad. Right? Oh. Yeah, it's no yeah. good. No. No. No, it's no good. So they will play uh, They will play a big game three. Do you think they'll be wound up in Edmonton for this I one? I think that's going to be some uh, very boozy crowd. There, very, uh, very boozy. night. Yeah, coming up. What, what kind of hurts? And maybe it just... It, 
drives you to the booze is the O2 deficit. Mm-hmm. If this was a 1-1 or whatever going back there, look out. And it's, you know, you're playing the best team in the Western Conference. It's not like, you know, you're playing a lower-seeded team. You're playing the best right here, and that's a big task for Edmonton to come back. But, hey, they got the horses to do it. Maybe it's time to get McDude, dry settle split. McDude! Time to... <laughs> yeah. Time to... Spread out the wealth there. I get you. I get you. Um, I thought in the in the because I got to go back to the LA series, but obviously that Calgary series, they came out and poured it on. Uh, that was their best game of the five that they played. I think in uh, in my opinion of the the Calgary Flames and uh, Edmonton series, they were good. That's that was the Kane hat trick. They just they they went at them. They'll have to do much of the same, I would guess tomorrow. I don't like an 0-3 hole for anyone mm-hmm. against uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Certainly not the Edmonton Oilers with how they've defended here through through two games. The 0-3 hole hasn't been kind to anyone, has it? No, it's not going to be. Yeah, it's four uh, times his- historically speaking. Four. Yeah. 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 Well, an interesting uh, Luch had noted he was in two of those. Right. Because he was uh, on the LA team that rallied against the Sharks. Yeah. And then it was Boston Philly early in his career. That's correct. Whew. Get him on. That is correct. Uh, Did you see the news from uh, the uh, NHL headquarters yesterday? A lot of people on Twitter thanking me, Dean, and I'm just the messenger. I have nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daryl Sutter was sitting at like 9-1 to in Jack Adams wagering, and that was a a crime against humanity, we had to take advantage. Uh, Sutter was, it's interesting where I, where you look at the voting for this and Daryl Sutter wins the Jack Adams for coach of the year. And by a, by a sizable margin, because mm-hmm. it's voted, you have first place, second place and third place votes. Uh, he had more first place votes, more total vo- all of it, but was left off of a number of ballots altogether. So it, huh. it, it makes you wonder. Sutter was named on 93 of the 121 ballots. How do you not so have how him on the ballot? You, how do you not have That's him on crazy. the ballot? Yeah. Now, can, for context, do you have it in front of you? How many ballots Burnett was on or off? I do. Uh, you know and what? Gal- and Gallant? Well, what if it's 121? We'd have to do some math here on the fly. Uh, Andrew, in terms of this, so let's start here. First place votes. Sutter had 54 of those. Brunette second with 31. Gerard Gallant third with 12. So, the, and that is your top three in overall in overall uh, voting for the award. It's a weighted system kind of deal. You get more points for your first place than your second place. But uh, so Daryl, coach of the year, 353, Brunette, 249, Gallant, 142. I'll do the I'll do the math in the uh, in the commercial break as far as who was left off. But it's always interesting to see if Sutter had 54 first place votes. Well, who else was getting the first place? Well, we said Brunette, 31. So, So 31 voters thought Brunette was the best. 12, Gallant, 7 for Dean Evison, Bednar in Colorado, 6, Todd McClellan, 5. Two voters mm. thought uh, Rock and Roddy Brindamore, Rod the Bod, was the best. Mm. One for, or, sorry, two for Pittsburgh's Mike Sullivan, 
one for John Hines in Nashville and one for John Cooper of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So there you have that. Huh. Jay Woodcroft received one second and two third place uh, votes. So how about That's that? That's a weird one. How many games did he coach? Not right? a ton. Uh, and to like that 30 end, maybe Bruce Boudreau also uh, finds his way in. Also identically, one second place vote, two third place votes. And he would have come in at least a month earlier. Yeah. Maybe more. The NHL coach adjudged to have contributed the most to his team's success, as selected by the NHL Broadcasters Association. So just a bunch of jock-sniffing homers are, are mm-hmm. the ones who are voting for this. John so, Hines, huh? Yeah, so you, you wonder, hmm, two first-place votes for Mike Sullivan. Curious where those would have come from. No, I'm guessing Maybe it, uh, Pitt? It's hard to say, yeah. And I'm guessing that it in, could be anywhere. That in Calgary of the now I don't get a do you get a vote for this? God no. A GVP, do you vote? Are you part of the broad, the NHL Broadcasters Association? Do you? No, definitely not. Okay. Do I? I'm... Def's not. Okay. So, however many members of the Calgary media do vote on this, I, I would think probably sweep. probably everybody would have. Now, is that jock sniffing homerism? Perhaps. But I think it's. I don't uh, know. About I think that. it's very much he, he deserved. Wins it. Yes, and I, like if you you read the definition, didn't Andrew Burnett do exactly what we thought Joel Quenville was going to do? I don't know what or more close? you would. Or yeah, was it better? What would you have? Like, expected? I, I thought they were going to be a horse there. I thought they were going to win that division. So let me read hmm. it again. A ju- the NHL coach adjudged to have contributed the most to his team's success. So to your point, it felt like Quenville would have had a very strong team. Brunette did have a very strong team. So it should- and did he come in and change systems? or mm. Now, Gerard Gallant? Uh, maybe, right? We, we talked yeah, about it. And you, sure. you kind of poo-pooed and said, well, it's a lot about uh, Shesterkin. However, the guy was brought in, and in his first year, the Rangers continue to be very strong, maybe out uh, outpacing the expectations. Is that fair? Yep, totally. Dean Evison was fourth in this. Great year. Great year. And then Bednar McClellan. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody gets a little bit of love. Sheldon Keefe gets uh, some votes. Craig Berube, uh, two third-place votes. Whatevs. Whatever. But you know what I've done is I've uh, just because uh, why wouldn't you? We've cobbled I cobbled together some some Daryl Sutter for you. Now I have I was going to go through it's a little bit too long. Daryl spoke with our, our buddy Brendan Parker over at uh, Flames.com. We'll, we'll maybe play a little bit of that for you later on. But we don't have a lot of time in the show today. We're very jam packed. We're a jam packed okay. show today. But I thought maybe what we could do is enjoy some uh, some greatest hits. Of Daryl Sutter over the years, of course, was a was a coach in Chicago, was a coach in San Jose, Calgary, then wins a pair of cups with the L.A. Kings and then shows up back in Calgary. But his time in L.A. was when I think really a lot of people fell in love with Daryl down in California, didn't they? This uh, yeah, this farmer comes in driving a truck wearing, you know, wearing the farmer shirts kind of speaking with a different cadence and tone than what they were used to in Southern California. 
uh, and and also had a little bit of uh, piss and vinegar in him. Uh, here's uh, here's some of the best from Daryl as a L.A. King. It's not been a good day. I lost my glasses early this morning, and I had to go buy a pair of seventy-nine dollar reading glasses today. Seventy-nine, seventy-nine bucks. You you can get you can literally get them at uh, Costco three for twenty. The franchise hasn't played in a game seven since two thousand two. Who cares? Is that so? Should we have a major announcement tomorrow that we haven't played in game seven? No sense bitching, right? Nobody's going to listen to you. <laughs> I found out during the press conference that we haven't played a game seven since 2002. So I can't wait to get back there. Jeez, it's big for me. Coach, was there a turning point in the second period that turned it around for you? Not really. Regular season doesn't mean screw all to me, quite honest. Kyle Clifford was not out there. Is he banged up? Or? He was out there. He gets here before you guys. Then he was doing a Geico commercial, and then he was doing uh, the weather with Channel 4 this morning. How's Jeff Jeez. Carter today? It's awesome. I wish I was Jeff Carter today. <laughs> what has most impressed you about John Gibson as a goalie the past two games? He's the best goalie I've ever seen. I, mean, I can't believe we got one by him tonight. A lot of pressure on him now. A lot of pressure on him. You know, you ask and answer the same question. I don't know why you do that. In, ter in terms of the performance and what you see and like what led to the goal. I just finished saying, John, you f are you deaf? I just finished saying that when we played our ass off, we got beat by one goal. You don't continually fall behind. I mean, if somebody scores a goal, does that mean you continually fall behind? I mean, oh, okay. So we continually fall behind. <laughs> I mean, it's there are some uh, greatest hits in there that you've heard a ton on on this show and on this station over the years mm. but there's it is fun going back and getting the original context right the uh, yes yeah and and i think it's also it was true here and i think it was true there i'm not surprised that if the team is playing poorly we're we're having some you know s's and giggles life's good sun's out it's a great day team's on a roll i'm not here to joke around there's, there's nothing. Uh, let's, let's not get uh, too giddy about things. Let's keep things on the level. So that's been the mo for him, right from the what 03 season where he showed up in Calgary. It's what we know. It's what we know of him. That's the, that's the Sutter can't, brand. Can't uh, be having bad habits creep in. Yeah. Eh? And we've had him here now in uh, 2.0 for just over a year, and there's been a few memorable ones here as well. I'm an Alberta boy, right? The day after the day of expansion, I was like, oh, what are you going to do now? Or what are they going to do? It's great here. What are you going to do? Our penalty killers weren't very good tonight. Our defense as a group was borderline awful. Yeah, I've coached in four different decades, so I've seen a lot of changes. So did I see myself still coaching? Well, if you're very successful, then most successful people continue to do what they do. All I got to say is friggin' made the playoffs two weeks left in the season. There's not anybody in this room that would have said that six months ago. If last night was a Jacob Markstrom statement game, what would tonight be then? Pretty good. Giving him every opportunity to succeed and that's up to him to take it or leave it. You guys, it's a tough schedule. I mean, look at their team. They they're on a long trip, and they go home and play one game, then they come here. It's hard. We freaking get home at 4 in the morning. Didn't have to play tonight. Like, it's hard on players. Yeah, his blade came out, and they couldn't get the other one back in. Didn't have a skate. Would that go through with a rubber boot. Toronto's the perfect team, and we're not. So. You guys are on quite a winning streak, obviously. How do you make sure that this group doesn't feel too good about itself or doesn't let bad habits creep in during a stretch like this? Oh, I'm good at that. 
What did you think of uh, Dan Vladar tonight? Um, glad he cut to win his first home game. He hasn't had much work. We didn't play for a month. We get four days off in a few days, so pretty easy. The other guy hasn't won for a month. Pretty easy. Trying to win hockey games. It wasn't even a hard decision. It was one we'd made a long time ago. We were better than them. That's for sure. W's. That's when I'm impressed. I don't know if you feel comfortable with this cushion that your team has got. What is the cushion? The cushion of the the winds and the... Um... Cushion. A cushion is a pillow with feathers, right? Every game you lose, take a few feathers out. Pretty soon you just cut your head on a no cushion at all. And that's, uh, you know, there's a few. Now, I should probably mention that the uh, the one with the, the swearing and the, the beeping mm. in, in, in the middle there, that was... Um, you guys, it's a tough schedule. I mean, look at their team. They, they're on a long trip, and they go home and play one game, and they come here. It's hard. We freaking get home at 4 in the morning. <laughs> and have to play tonight. Like, it's hard on players. Jeez. So, yeah. we, we Wow. Uh, full disclosure, we put the beeps in there. No. When they, they didn't, he was not swearing. We just thought it kind of sounded, because there was some friggins. And we well, figured, who's to say? Yeah. If we take the... <laughs> Of the friggin' and then just put a beep in there. It's going to sound like something else. We too, we we've been good at that as well. Uh, so for Daryl, he gets and I know going back, he talked. Remember, he was asked about it, and he said, "I don't really care about it. Yeah, uh, no. uh, it's uh, uh, whatever. It's the yeah, the writers uh, vote on it, Dean. I mean, yeah, if you let the coaches whatever. vote, <laughs> you'd have some pretty different winners. Yeah, you'd have some. You'd definitely have some different answers, and people be uh, you'd have some different winners over the last few years. Um. Well, here it is. It's not the best coach, first off. If the coaches voted on the best coach every year, you'd see a quite a bit different list the last 15 years. So the way I look at it is I don't, I don't need that on my resume. Some guys do. So I'd rather see young guys win it, quite honest. Or guys that have maybe got a raw deal somewhere. I like a guy like Gerard. Got a raw deal in Florida. Got a raw deal in Vegas. If I had a vote, I know who I'd vote for so there you go. Uh, that's uh, that's how it goes. So for uh, for Daryl, coach of the year, fifty four first place votes in his first full season since returning to Calgary. They uh, they had a hell of a year. There's no there's no doubt about it. And I thought it was interesting hearing him talk to the media what two days ago. That yeah, it was a fifty win season, and we won the division, and we had home ice in round two, and couldn't get through. But anybody would have taken that a year out because there was, there was, there was the hue and cry with Gio leaving. Who's taken over those minutes. What are you going to do? Uh, Free agency is coming and uh, going to overspend on somebody again. They won 50 games, 111 points. They turned into one of the best home ice teams in the league, 25, nine and seven. And, and I think to your point, the the award is for the coach, a judge who has contributed the most to his team's success. There is very little debate as to what impact Daryl had here this year. Right. It's, yep. It's a very mm. good point. Yeah. Mm. I would all I would agree with the ticket bucket. Get to bucket. Very, uh, very good stuff. Uh, so here's what the show is going to be today. 
We have an NHL insider. He usually joins us you know, f- earlier, but with travel and the playoffs, he's a very busy boy, Frank Saravalli. Very busy. He is catching a flight today. I'm guessing he's going to Edmonton. Uh, but he's in Denver, going to the airport, couldn't join us uh, the other day. We said, let's do Friday. I said, you know what, actually, I'm flying, I'm flying Friday. Okay, well, let's get you on. So we're going to slide the Pinder Report about an hour. About an hour. Mm. 7.35 or so, we'll get to the Pinder Report. Stephen Brunt, just after 7 o'clock in his usual spot. George Richards, uh, we were going to talk to him the other day. Florida Hockey Now, Panteros, Andrew Burnett's team. They were swept in round number two by the Tampa Bay Lightning. A... Again, that's a it's a bad it's a bad pull for a team that was a president's trophy winner and had home ice throughout and all of that to get the defending cup champs in round number two, but it is what it is, and it wasn't that they lost in like seven games or they got out goaltended. They're just their offense disappeared and evaporated. Three goals yeah, in four games. Yeah. And it was all lightning and there was no there was no doubt about it, so I don't know. I, th- I think in Calgary, Flames lose in five. You don't have that sense that you were really close, and you don't hang. When you look back, you don't think, man, if it wasn't for that one break or that one turning point, we could have been in this series or won this thing. It's got to be even worse, I would guess, for Florida. So we'll talk to George about that coming up in hour number three, and we've got a golf show today, and we got what you want to talk about, and I'm still talking. All that's on the guy, and I'm still yeah. sitting here blathering like a, like a big mouth. And you're sitting down there, ticketacatamatoos. So ticketacatamatoos. That's right. Drinking, uh, and you're into the brown liquor. We learned already this morning. So that's good. Delicious. Yeah. What a day. And old stupid boom, just an idiot. Forgot to give away the beautiful basics package for Green Day yesterday. I know. Isn't that like, so stupid? Who doesn't want a beautiful weed-free lawn with Green Drop? GreenDrop.com. It's beautiful outside. Enjoy your yard. Enjoy yourself. Live your Have a life, right? You loser. So you know what I'm going to do today to make it up? I'm going to give away two of them today. Oh. Two. Yep. You lucky guys out there. Two beautiful two basics package coming up. So be listening at some point. We'll have a, uh, a really pertinent Trivia question of some sort for you. Two of them. That's right. And uh, we'll have two winners on that today. Let's break, shall we? Frank Saravalli, NHL insider. He was in Denver last night. He's been at both games, one and two of the West Conference Final. His take and thoughts and more when we come back. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're locked on Boomer in the morning. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It is Boomer in the Morning on a Friday, brought to you by Sundry Golf Club. Each hole tailor-made, unique characteristics, going to challenge anybody. You get out there, you're going to have a day. Online right now, you can check out the new Stay and Play packages. Start at 189 per person based on double occupancy. Book your tee time now, sundrygolf.com. It's uh, it's Boomer here. It's Pinder there. Busy show, moving moving pieces. A lot of moving pieces. Pinder report coming up in hour number two. But uh, based on because of travel, 
wasn't even a snafu. Usually it's the you know the snafus that get you. This wasn't a snafu. It was just kind of the way it was. Snaw. Couldn't uh, couldn't get our NHL insider on, but better late than never, as they say. Brought to you by South Trail. Sorry, I was brought to you by. Let me get this for you. South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. It's Frank Valley who uh, is in Denver. Are you leaving Denver? I am leaving Denver, yes. The series is shifting. And the question is, based on what you've seen through two games, do you think you'll be going back to Denver for oh. game five? Oh. Um, yeah, I think, I think the Oilers will find a way to get one. Get at least one. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. It was, it was a bit of a – because I thought – I said to Ryan last segment, I, I thought that the first period – Okay, these two teams, they, they're in for, we could be in for a long one here. This is what it should look like in a Western Conference final. Tooth and nail, shots 14-13, some saves from both goalies, obviously. And then you get to the second, and the shots the rest of the way were 26-11, three goals and 204. And it really, I guess it's going to tip in, in, it's going to tip the scales regardless when you get three goals that quickly. But you still know that the Oilers have that ability to come back, but the Avalanche, to their credit, they kept their foot on the gas offensively and really limited the Oilers defensively. Yeah, you know what the Oilers are feeling right now is a lot of what the Calgary Flames felt in the last few games of that series in the Battle of Alberta. I mean, it's when you look at it, they're stars, and with you know, it's not all on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, just in the same way that it isn't all on. Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, but when you've got such talent and they're being completely snuffed out, it's it's difficult to generate much. Like the Oilers, you mentioned a couple of those stats and and what the shots were like. The thing that stands out to me, twenty six to eight, that's the scoring chances off of the rush in the first two games combined to start the Western Conference Final. Like that's where. The Oilers' bread is buttered, and they're being beaten at their own game. When Connor McDavid looks very average, and is you know Kale McCarr is able to stick with him stride for stride on a on a one on one, it's you're going to have a tough. If, if not those guys, who else is going to do it for the Edmonton Oilers? Like it's when you're facing a team in Colorado that's deeper than you, you're sort of swimming upstream the entire time and they're really having a difficult time trying to get stuff going and generate. And it it just, it doesn't bode well for Edmonton. You look at it too, and the depth and we're we're coming off of a four, nothing win. So there's a lot of recency excitement here for, for abs fans and about the avalanche, but your, your second line center had three assists in two minutes JT Comfer, third line center, he had two goals in game one. Rantanen has moved to that second line. He comes through finally. And, of course, we saw what McKinnon did last night. One goal, but a career-high 11 shots on the night, 20 minutes and 39 seconds. We expected McKinnon-McDavid to be a, uh, a showdown of two of the best, but it's been decidedly number 29 for Colorado through two games. Yeah, and I, I don't think I would have predicted that based on the way that the last round played out. Remember how quiet Nathan McKinnon was against the St. Louis Blues? You know, didn't score until the Game 5 hat-trick that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at how dominant 
McDavid was. And not only that, but you mentioned number 29, like Leon Dreisaitl, with all due respect to McKinnon, was the best number 29 in the playoffs heading into this series. And so their stars have struggled. You mentioned the depth and, and being outscored. The Oilers have also really struggled defensively. Darnell Nurse has looked like the Darnell Nurse that we saw in game one of the Battle of Alberta, someone that was clearly injured. I, I don't – it's odd, and I can't figure it out because he got so much better as that series against the Flames went on, and now these first two games here, he looks like he can barely you know, play. I, I, and, and it's odd because he also practiced in between the series, something he hadn't done – since round one and you're thinking all right this guy's getting stronger he's getting better the the oilers you know dry cycle same thing he practiced as well and you're like wow like they're in a spot where they could be getting closer to healthy and and that's not the case cadry as you mentioned three primary assists in 204 darnell nurse dash three and you know feels like he can't get out of his own way uh, Kyler Yamamoto leaves the hockey game, too, in the second period, upper body injury. That's coming off of a hit from Gabriel Landeskog. Now, as you can imagine, the fan base to the north of us, uh, they're crying foul, wanting to know if uh, the league's going to take a look at it. Do you think that there's uh, – do you think the league takes a look at the uh, at the hit on Yamamoto? Well, they always take a look at it. They review and look at everything. They clip it, and I'm sure they talked about it. But my sense to this point – and always subject to change is that there won't be any supplemental discipline coming for the hit. So as much as the Oilers may not like it and don't know what that says about Yamamoto's status moving forward, given that Woodcroft seemed to, uh, you know, mention again, post game that he didn't like the hit. Yeah. It doesn't sound like anything's coming. So it shifts, do you think to the, to the last round and obviously it was one, one heading to Edmonton, not Oh two. But they they were ready. The fans were were wild. It was a hornet's nest up in Edmonton for Game Three, and they they rolled to to victory that night. Whether it's line combos or or anything, I don't. It's hard when you look at Mike Smith. We trotted out this morning an eight sixty four save percentage and a six point nine five goals against. You're not going to win many games with those numbers, but I can't sit here and tell mm-hmm. you that Smith hasn't cost them or put them in an O2 hole. For Woodcroft, who's he's shown, I said, he's a little cagey. He likes to kind of play the media, kind of try and get into the mind of the other team's goalie or whatever. What This is an important card. O3 feels insurmountable. What what does Woodcroft here going do going into tomorrow night? Oh, I, I don't think there's any choice but to stick with Mike Smith. I mean, I don't know that Miko Koskinen gives you any sort of warm and fuzzy feeling. He's not a security blanket to turn to. Um, did Smith struggle in game one? Of course he did. Six goals on 25 shots. He did not look great. Um, Koskinen seemed fine, but I don't look at game two and the 4 nothing loss and put any bit of it on Mike Smith. And I, I understand why it's a topic of conversation, given the stats that you read off. Yeah. And he's Smith has, has been better and bounced back, you know, following the, the game ones that he's had eight, 14 in game ones, nine, five, seven, every other game of the series. It's just that, you know, if Smith doesn't have the first period that he has in game two, that game might be eight nothing. Like they were under assault from opening puck drop. It was 
you know, a couple chances in the in the Edmonton end. McDavid has a rush that McCarr goes stride for stride for with him on skating backwards. Still, that to me, I wrote about this morning. It's the highlight of of the first two games. I don't care what anyone says about the the 18 goals that have been scored. That was flat out incredible, and that's what's left a mark on this series. But for Smith and Net, like he, he, that's the scary part for Edmonton. Like they lost for nothing. They gave up three goals in 204, and Smith probably played about as well as he could play, and that's that's tough. Yeah, I'm with you. And there's maybe not a fan base that likes to chip away at Mike Smith more than the fans here, but uh, you, you putting Koskinen in, I don't think that gives you a decided advantage going into Game Three, depending on how. Uh, how but it, you mentioned line changes, though. Like that's the other interesting part about the way Game Two played out is he broke up. McDavid and Dreisaitl for the first time since round one and then had to go back to it in the third period to try and see if they could get something going again. What is the best route moving forward and does it even matter? And I wonder too if it's maybe a little bit disheartening and again it's one game and these are pros and they they don't think the way I think or, or fans think but it's usually an automatic you put those two guys together, you're going to get something. It's just a matter. So when when do you revert back to that? It's a kind of a show of desperation or whatever, but you know you're going to get something. He's played that card now too, and it, it really didn't materialize into much. I, I, I felt like Edmonton was going to not so much. I didn't know if they were going to win. I just thought they were going to be quite good, and I felt good about that after, uh, after the first. But Colorado really really put their foot on the gas. We got uh, it's a Friday. It's a rare visit from our NHL insider Frank Saravalli. Brought to you by South Trail Exports. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan is in. Uh, R- R- Ryan's in California. He's enjoying uh, the good life, and uh, our 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 gear is not enjoying the good life. Our technology is not strong. Uh, Want to ask you about Daryl Sutter? He is named the Jack mm. Adams Trophy winner yesterday. Uh, a decided uh, advantage over uh, spots two and three, Brunette and Gerard Gallant. And we're maybe biased, but with it being the coach, a judge to have contributed the most to his team's success, kind of hard to debate in a way what impact Daryl had here this season. I've been consistent and all over this all season long. Like, and I've, I've mentioned to you guys on the show, no coach had more of an individual impact on his team's success and identity this year than Daryl Sutter with the Flames. What's wild about winning the award, obviously it's a regular season award, much like the heart and anything else, is in an odd way, I feel like Daryl Sutter also, not singularly, but had a big contribution to the way that the season ended as well. I'm still... And, and not slagging him at all. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the way the Flames lost their identity in the Battle of Alberta and almost seem to be so concerned about what Edmonton was doing that they lost sight of themselves. It happened so fast. Um, you know, it was almost like a plane crash in terms of the, you know, the different things that contributed to it, the contributing factors. It wasn't just one thing, but that was certainly part of it. Um, also interesting, just the way the award works in general. Um, and, and I appreciate Daryl Sutter's comments from, 
you know, a couple weeks back when, when he was announced as a finalist saying, look, like, you know, I, I'd hope that this award goes to someone who's either been in a rough spot previously, been dealt an unfair hand or, um, you know, someone that actually, you know, needs it. But in general with the Jack Adams, it, it's usually ends up being the coach whose team has the biggest turnaround and doesn't necessarily go to the coach that is just a really damn good coach. Like how is John Cooper eighth in that spot? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it is interesting how the Jack Adams is voted on. And I don't know, like it, it's the results are wacky. Like it, it almost means nothing, not saying this has anything to do with Daryl Sutter, but it almost means nothing in terms of job security. Andrew Burnett, finishes second after an unbelievable year with the Florida Panthers, steps into an impossible spot. The team's undefeated 7-0 and when Joel Quenville resigns due to the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. And he may not, have, he may not be coaching next year. The Panthers might not bring him back. Yeah, it's, and again, I blame you guys in the media because you're the guys that, that vote on it. But the good news is we'll only continue to have this debate, this debate forever. It's much like the heart. Uh, if you don't, if you don't make the playoffs, can you be an MVP candidate? Blah blah blah. So that's that's good. Uh, I I feel like the discussions are always more. We get more. Invest- well, here, here's in- the only thing though. <laughs> I I want to stop you there. Yeah. Because the thing with the Jack Adams is you don't have to vote that way. That's just how it's traditionally been voted. That's not what the award says. Like, how come John Cooper isn't being awarded for his impact on his team's success? Well, I, my guess would be that if if you're judging to have contributed the most to his team's success, that like Andrew Brunette, you went from Joel Quenville to Brunette and the expectations were pretty much met. There wasn't a fall off that you could put somebody else behind the bench of the Tampa Bay still probably going to be a very good team slash playoff team. I, I'm just not sold that that's the case. Not to say Tampa's roster isn't good or whatever, but when you have a team that's accomplished so much and not saying that that Daryl Sutter shouldn't have won. Just saying, why is it that good coaches seem with good good players on good teams seem to get lost in the shuffle? Yeah, it's it almost would... like saying hey, they they didn't have any impact. But when you have a team that's accomplished so much, it's hard to keep them hungry to drive to get more out of them. Yeah, it would be an interesting thing and easily done to go back and see how many Presidents Trophy winning teams ended up having the Jack Adams winner. You're you're almost you lose points, right? You lose credit by having the, the strongest team or one of the strongest teams in the league. Uh, it sounds wild now, by the way. Yeah. Remember when people were calling for Jared Bednar's head in the first two weeks of the season when Colorado kind of scuffled out of the gate? Like That feels like it was six years ago. Yeah, and it felt like if they didn't get out of round two, regardless of how they performed, he was maybe going to be out of a gig anyway. So here he is uh, three, three or four wins later and job security. Job security hinging on four wins or so. Here he is out coaching Jay Woodcroft in the se- in the third round. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Uh, now, Pinder, did we get the uh, tin can and the strings? Am I all right. Yeah, I, I'm Am I not okay? sure. Are you good? Are you uh, taking a little tiger snooze? What are you doing down there? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to know if you know what Tampa's going to give us tonight and what you saw in game one from them. Well, I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves, don't they, Pinder? 18-0 and 0 following a loss in, in the last three playoffs. I... I fully expect a big bounce back from Tampa. And that's not to take anything away from the Rangers. 
you know, I've seen a lot of people in the last 24 to 48 hours since that win saying, oh, man, the Rangers, looks like they're going to go to the Stanley Cup final. I'm like, hold on a second. Let's pump the brakes here. Like, with all due respect to New York, and what was most impressive about the Rangers' game one win was their ability to make Andre Vasilevsky move. The cross-ice passes, the way they were able to get through uh, the slot against the sloppy lightning defense um, was incredibly impressive. I just don't, I wouldn't bet on that happening again. I wouldn't bet on Andre Vasilevsky giving up six again. He's played 93 career Stanley Cup playoff games, and that is tied for the most goals he's ever given up. It's happened two other times. And the Rangers scored more goals in game one than the Florida Panthers did in the entire series. They doubled it. Um, I'd imagine, like I said, a big pushback from Tampa in game two to send the series back. Uh, all tied up. It just it it feels like the lightning. I don't I don't I hate the rust angle, but nine days between games, it feels like they were just a little bit off. And it's eight in a row for teams that went to a game seven, beating teams that swept the prior round. That's nuts too. Like those numbers are weird. Well, the other odd part of it is that sometimes we see that same sweep happen again, but for the other team. I don't know why that's the case. It's happened seemingly a lot. It goes from game seven and sweep to the other team sweeping. I, I don't know. I can't explain it, but um, yeah, certainly the Rangers have a little mojo going right now and, and they have the goaltender, the best goaltender that Tampa's faced to this point, um, riding a high as well in Igor Shesterkin, are the best goalie matchup we've seen in any round since the cup final last year. Um I don't know. I guess I'll feel differently if the Rangers go out and do it tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we lost him again. I, I know he wanted to ask you about... Now, it, it happened late last night, So, and I know that you needed your beauty sleep and you were pumping uh, info onto Daily Faceoff. The uh, Tempe City Council and Arizona Coyotes have agreed to move forward in arena talks. Only, what, about 12 hours of session yesterday. It seemed like it, it went deep into the night but they are going to at least move forward. Is there? Do you have confidence that this might now be something that could make Arizona viable in, in that city? It's interesting, too, that Gary Bettman says, we'll sign a 30-year non-relocation document. So we, this is not news that Bettman wants to be in that city and in that area, but that's a significant step from the league to, uh, to Tempe. Yep, they also guaranteed an NHL draft and an NHL All-Star game if they can get some steel in the ground and finally get this going. I, I, I would exercise an abundance of caution to anyone you know who watched the proceedings and heard the yes vote or sees the headline. This is still many months from that happening. And, I, and personally... Have, you know, having watched the Arizona Coyotes go down this path already um, in an, on a number of different sites, it's, it's big for them to have gotten the green light to continue, but it's still a long ways off from being able to, to put shovels in the ground. So until that happens, I, I'm, you know, I'm a see it, you know, believe it until I see it kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, it was impressive to see the 
turnout for the Coyotes. They had a couple players uh, stop by the the city council meeting to give their own remarks. As you mentioned, Gary Bettman participated via Zoom. Uh, man, they really seem like they got a lot of stuff done in that Tempe City Council. Tw- yeah. that, that meeting was a, an absolute marathon. Um, but it is important and that the renderings look good and, and all those things, like, it seems to add up. I understand how this is, you know, so big for the Coyotes and there's so much at stake here. You know, the other reason I would say, aside from the obvious green light to continue, people haven't talked about the real win and the real motivation of this for the Coyotes. Their owner, Alex Maruello, he he has a gambling license, something really difficult to get in Arizona, as part of this package to set up an on-site gambling location that's that's huge that's the play here and so that's the motivation to withstand the losses to to get this privately funded and to get it built that's the other side of it and so that's what they're really hanging in on and you know if not tempe that's going to be where the big question is like how do you find a way to get your permanent home they really need that in order to stay viable. Yeah, and they're playing three years in that uh, five thousand seat building. At least, at least three years. So, I, the I, nice thing about Arizona is you can build that building in eighteen months, probably because of the weather. But it, it's still they've got a lot of work to do to get to that point. Uh, before we let you go, Marty St. Louis, no shock. He's staying in Montreal as Canadians head coach. Anything else in, as far as coaching news, but I guess specifically Barry Trotz, anything uh, as far as an update? We're in the spin cycle. We're waiting. Uh, it feels like not to say one guy is, is gumming up the works, but it feels like there's enough teams interested, at least five, that they're not really haven't really moved on until they get an answer from Barry Trotz because he's number one on their list. And so the interesting thing to me is, are we going to have other openings? I I can't say it with a hundred percent certainty. I, I hinted at it with Andrew Burnett, but it, the sense is at least from exit interviews and, and the ways that, that the Panthers have sort of been conducting themselves since their season ended, it feels like he won't be back as, that team's head coach. It's still also been 10 days since Cam Neely decidedly did not give Bruce Cassidy a vote of confidence in Boston, but nothing's been done there. And another guy twisting in the wind is Bob Bugner in San Jose. They don't have a GM. It's going to be up to the next GM to decide what happens with the coach. They want to be competitive right away. That's what they've told candidates in interviews. And, you know, that, that could be what, seven openings now instead of four. So there's a lot of work to do on the coaching front that it sounds funny to say, I know we're only in the conference final, but the draft is in less than six weeks now. Like you'd like to have someone in place well before that as trades are going down to really have your coach's input in terms of the team that he'd like to see and and style that they'd like to play. You're getting on a jet. You're headed to Edmonton for games three and four. What was the atmosphere? Because you were in Calgary. You've been in Edmonton, obviously. How did Denver compare? It's, they had lots to cheer about over two games. Oh, did they ever? As I mentioned, 18 goals scored in two games. Uh, some highlight real plays. It was 
it was solid. It was strong. It wasn't like wasn't anything overwhelming. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it was good, but it wasn't like next level. Oh my god, I need earplugs. Is this going to be the same Oilers crowd up there? Are they going to be a little bit nervous being down? I don't think so. Yeah. I I mean maybe to start game three to try and will their team, but. I I don't know this. They go back home to Edmonton. Not, they I, it feels like not only are the Oilers leaking everywhere, they're they're swimming in the deep end of the pool now. Frank, appreciate you, buddy. Good to get you on this week. Safe travels. We'll talk next week. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, Pinder was great today. He really was. Yeah, I thought one of his best actually. Thanks, guys. Yeah, there thanks. you go. Thanks, Frank. Be good. <laughs> Take care, guys. Frank Valley, NHL Insider, brought to you by South Trail Exports. Inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. You know what it does? It, it, uh, it's my confidence level, you know, because we got mm. Brunt, you know, how he kind of does the show from, you know, from the East Coast. He's on the road. He can do the show wherever. And that's our thing. So we don't need to be in studio anymore. We, As radio people now, we can go and move, move about. And then this kind of mm. stuff happens like... Uh, not going to be as easy as we thought. Or now, do you think it's operator error? Perhaps is this a dumb Pinder, or what are we dealing with? It can't be written off the chance that it's dumb Pinder, right? Yeah, it could yeah. be. I'm going to go see if I can find uh, a hard Ethernet cord rather than Wi-Fi. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I'll tell yeah. you what, we got the Pinder report in about half an hour. But before then, the, afford, the aforementioned Stephen Brunt. Looking forward to catching up with Steve next. Sportsnet 960, the fan.